You are listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I'm a general dentist, a practice owner, and a certified life coach. I teach women who own dental practices to lead with intention and literally fall in love with their businesses. Keep listening and you will see how learning to love your practice turns into loving your life too. Well, hello to my ladies um, and my listeners that love your practice. Thank you for tuning in again to another one of my episodes. This one is just with me because I have something important to teach you. And if you've ever felt frustrated or stressed or overwhelmed about your dental practice, keep listening because I am here to help you move away from those unpleasant feelings to things that feel much more empowered. Before I get into the meat of the subject, I just want to check in with you all. How are you doing? I love hearing from you. Did you know that? You can always email me, DrLauraMockDDS at gmail.com, or you can use the contact us form on my website, loveyourpractice.net, and you'll see in there where it says contact us. I love to hear from you. See how you're doing. It's fall. We're past September. It's October now. We are working a massive number of days in October since we're not taking a vacation and we're kind of gearing up to be um, ready for the end of the year and the holidays. So we've been very busy at work and doing a lot of big things. So that's been fun. And I'd love to hear how you're doing. As far as the mastermind is going, I just started a new group of ladies who are wanting to love their practice and feel um, more at peace and more at ease with where they are with their ownership. And so we are just kind of digging into the basics in the mastermind right now of how to use our thoughts and our feelings to get more of what we want. So that's been really great. And if you missed this, um, this launch, we're going to launch again, but not until January. So if that sounds like something you want to do with a group of other women who also own dental practices, then keep listening to the podcast. You can sign up for updates on my website. And let's get you rolling in the next round in January. All right. So today, what I want to talk to you about is just very essential, very basic to my coaching practice, where I teach women how to love their practices. And it's called how to feel the way you want. And by the way, this is my 57th episode, which is so insane. I can't believe I've done that many already. And it's been um, two years in November. I only do one episode every other week. Um, So that's why it's not double the number of episodes, but I just am really patting myself on the back for starting the podcast two years ago. And I hope that it's been something that has brought value to you as well. And if there's ever a subject that you want me to tackle on here that you've been waiting for me to talk about, or you're like, you know, I always have this one problem and I haven't heard Laura talk about it yet. Uh, send me a request and let's see if we can make that episode happen for you. All right. So jumping into this subject, ladies, you know, I mentioned some common emotions that I hear from my clients that we feel about our practices. And of course I feel them too, because I still own my practice. Sometimes it's overwhelmed. Sometimes it's stress or fear or dread don't want to go in in the morning. Sometimes it's shame. I will tell you the shame is built into not only our biology, but also our culture from dental school 
and, you know, practicals and, and sometimes how our dental school instructors treated us either during practicals or also in front of patients. Um, so if you ever find yourself feeling shame, just know you are 100% not alone. And what I find is that when we understand the biological justification for why we even have emotions and the context, so what they're, what our emotions are trying to do, it starts to free us up to feel the way we would prefer to feel instead. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go through the process of how we feel the way we want to feel. And I will warn you that we don't always want to feel, you know, like happy or um, go lucky. Um, sometimes it's not even appropriate to choose um, a positive emotion. For example, if we're going through a divorce or someone close to us passes away, we might choose to feel grief or sadness for a time. But what I find is that we unnecessarily, as dental, dental practice owners, we unnecessarily feel a lot of this overwhelm and stress and fear that's really not serving us at all. So um, keep in mind, I'm not trying to advocate for 100% positivity all the time, just trying to help you get over that speed bump of the analysis paralysis or the fear that we feel when we own a practice. What I find is that the problem lies in the fact that nature has designed our emotions, literally our capacity to feel things is deep inside our DNA. And because of that, I like to think of our emotional process as laws of physics. We are dealing with things that we can't mess around with doing it the wrong way. We can't hack our way out of um, feeling something. But we can understand, we can put it into context, and we can, if we understand how emotions are created, we can create new emotions or uh, more intentional emotions. And I find that a root problem that we have because of the reason that we're feeling so much overwhelmed, fear, um, stress, dread, and shame is because our emotional reactions are designed for an environment that our brain really does not understand. The environment in which um, humans lived before we stopped evolving was what, 500, 600, 7,000 years ago when we were living um, in small hunter-gatherer groups and everybody was sharing everything in a communal way. And we had these dangers that we were trying to protect ourselves from. So avoiding dangerous predators, avoiding swimming through rapids, avoiding big storms with heavy wind, um, we, we need to find food, we need to find a mate, we need to stay warm and keep in good standing with our pack. That's a really important one for um, the emotions that we feel today, understanding that need to be in a pack, to be accepted by our pack. And all of these emotions drove us towards helping us stay alive and pass on our genes to the next generation. And back then, the emotion of fear would keep us you know, maybe hiding from that dangerous animal or having an appetite would help us to get the fuel our body needed. Having a sexual drive would help us pass on our genes to the next generation. Now we get the same feelings. Those exact same emotions are still written in our DNA, but we get them for reasons that don't make as much sense because our environment doesn't match at all 
what our brain and our emotions are wired for. So for example, sometimes our emotions aren't helpful or or appropriate and they're most certainly unpleasant at times. Like I can't tell you how many times I have felt and I still feel so much stress or fear and, you know, the accompanying thoughts plus the emotion just really feels terrible. But the thing is that there's actual no physical reason for me me to feel fear while I'm sitting in my dental practice. There are no lions in the practice or bears. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to tell you how to feel something different, something more intentional. And like I said before, I'm using that word intentional because I'm not saying how to always feel happy. That is impossible. And in fact, my guru, Dr. Not Dr. Sorry, Brooke Castillo, um, always advocates for the fact that as a human, we should be expecting that 50% of our feelings are on the negative side and 50% are on the positive. Sometimes we just might choose to feel angry or sad or even maybe a little stress or jealousy to kind of, you know, kick us in the butt and get us moving to the next thing we want to do. But being able to see how an emotion comes from our mental choices gives us the power to create that intentionality. And I want to warn you and teach you that creating a new emotion is not instant. It takes a lot of awareness and practice and maybe some coaching, either from, you know, listening to this podcast or enrolling in the mastermind or finding yourself a one-on-one coach. But since we know how emotions work, we can absolutely feel something different. Should we choose to feel something different once we understand and practice the process? All right. So here are my steps straight from a life coach dentist on how to feel something new. Number one, the first thing we have to do is we have to acknowledge our current emotion. And I recommend giving it a one word name. You know, you might be feeling more than one emotion at a time, but this process works more specifically if we stick with one thought and one emotion at a time. So let me give you an example. A client of mine, it's going to sound awfully familiar, and it's a little bit of a meta example. So I've mixed some things in here together. A client of mine had some employees who were squabbling and they were pointing fingers at one another and wanted my client, the owner, to fix the squabble for them. And the client chose to name the feeling that she was experiencing defensive. That's how she named her emotion. She felt defensive for the employee that she sympathized or empathized with, and she felt defensive of herself as a leader. Like, for example, she's worrying, can she be a good enough leader to fix this? And also, would this squabble hurt her practice? Would she lose an employee or would the employees not be behaving in the way that she wanted them to? All right. Now, while we're in this space of acknowledging our current emotion, once we name it, we want to describe how the feeling is expressed inside our body, because every emotion that we have has a physical vibration that moves through our body. So for my client, we need to go back to the word defensive and close our eyes and picture how that feels in our bodies. 
Like, for example, do you feel the need to jump up and express yourself as quickly as you can? For me, it felt like I needed to hurry up and say my side. And I can say for sure that physically it didn't put me in the mood to sit back, take a deep breath and do some active listening, which would be helping me be the leader that I want to be. But while I'm feeling defensive and that nervous energy that comes with defensiveness, it's blocking me from acting the way I want to. So we're just leaning into the emotion and we're feeling it. We're naming it. We're experiencing the emotion to its full extent. Number two, we want to understand that in order to move from the emotion, we have to feel it all the way, all the way through before we can allow it to pass. Let me give you an example. Pretend you're um, a deer living on the savanna in Africa. I can't remember the name of those little animals with the super fancy horns. They hang out together, um, they're eating, and someone in their herd looks up and maybe can smell that there's a predator predator nearby or they catch the tail of a lion or something. And the instant emotion is, oh my goodness, we are in danger. We're afraid we need to run away. And the animal runs away and maybe the predator chases them. And then once that animal gets back to safety, they kind of do this shutter thing where they sort of shake it off. And then guess what they do? They don't go and have PTSD because they felt the fear all the way through until the body was done telling them to be afraid. They shuddered and shook it off and then they go back to eating or maybe make finding a new mate or just grazing again, checking on their babies. Their life goes back to normal. They don't stay in that afraid space because they felt the fear all the way through. So as humans, you know, we try to avoid feeling anything unpleasant, but the thing is that the more you resist an emotion, the more it's going to poke at you. Sort of like, um, it's another physics example, take a beach ball full of air and try to push it underwater and hold it down. This resisting takes energy. I'm trying not to let this beach ball up. And the minute that you take the energy off of the beach ball, it's popping back up and becoming even more of a floater than you wanted it to be. And it's the same exact thing with an emotion. If I'm resisting, I'm doing something to try to avoid feeling the unpleasant emotion. And it's never going to go away until I let it pass like the animal on the savanna. Now, the best way to allow the emotion to pass is to have a little inner dialogue with yourself. And this looks like this. All right. I see that I'm feeling defensive and feeling defensive Um, this emotion feels like blank, you know, maybe it feels like I need to hurry and jump up and say my side. I, then I'm going to say to myself, I don't enjoy feeling this, but here it is. Okay. So I'm just describing it so that I can lean all the way into the feeling and just letting it sit there. Maybe I might say, this is defensive. This is what it feels like. And actually I've been trying to avoid it, but It's not as bad as all that. I've been taking all these efforts to try to stop feeling defensive. But if I just feel it, I realize that it's not worth all the effort that I've been putting into resisting it. So we're not going to resist those emotions. Okay. Number three, the third step 
is we're going to lean into our understanding of the origin of emotions. Remember that emotions are put into our body to help us know what to do in terms of survival and reproduction. That is why our emotions are there. They are behavioral cues to tell this organism, as in my body and your body, what actions to take. We're just going to just remind ourselves that because as we remind ourselves of that, it sort of helps us put into perspective, especially understanding nature and the, the fact that we don't live in an environment that nature really understands. It's, we're putting it in perspective so that we can um, get ready to move on. And then step number four might seem a little bit silly, but I'm telling you it's really handy, is that we're going to go ahead and thank our brain. We're going to thank it for the feeling, excuse me, the thought that it gave us, because remember, our brain's job is to help us find out what potential dangers are in the area. And so this is going to look like this. Hey, brain, thanks so much for always watching out for me. I appreciate I can see what you did there. I can see why you wanted me to feel defensive about this situation in my practice. And then we're going to reassure ourselves or our brain and be like, you know, I've been doing this leadership thing for a while. I've done harder things. And I'm going to propose to you, brain, that we've got this. We're going to figure it out. So we're kind of reassuring our brain. And that works way better than saying, shut up, brain. Stop it. Stop feeling defensive. And the reason that doesn't work is it's the beach ball thing again. Brains like to be right. And if we try to argue with ourselves, then the brain's going to dig their heels in even harder and be like, mm -mm, we need to be defensive about this. So it's thanks for helping me see that maybe my pack was in trouble, but survival wise brain, we are going to do great. There is no threat to our survival here. So there's no need to put up defenses right now. And we're working on um, getting all the way through this emotion. Step number five. We're going to find exactly what thought is making us feel the way we don't want to feel. And we're going to help ourselves. We're going to remind ourselves that our thought is a voluntary thing. It's not a fact. Now, this is where coaching comes in really handy because when we do coaching, we do a lot of training on how to separate out the cold, hard facts from what our brain is telling us about it. But what we can do, even if you haven't had a coach yet, everybody can do what's called a thought download. And if you want a video instruction on how to do a thought download, please reach out to me um, on my website and I'll send you a little video and a worksheet you can use. But basically what it means is we're writing on a piece of paper or maybe even sometimes I'll just send myself an email and I'm just doing a fast open stream of everything that I'm thinking. So it might be, we need more groceries. Why am I such a sucky leader? I'm not a sucky leader. I'm fine. Um, it's a constant, it's a live stream, okay, of what we're thinking. And we do that for about five minutes. And we don't worry about whether what we're writing is true or not. We don't worry about what anybody else would think because it's not for them. It's for us so that we can see what we're thinking in order to help us identify the voluntary thought that's making us feel defensive. So you take that thought that you found in your thought download and you say to yourself, okay, I see that my brain is suggesting that I look at this situation as a potential threat, 
but I already know that my body is not in physical danger and that changing the way I look at this will change how I feel. And so maybe I was thinking to myself, I don't know how to lead this. Um, I can see that my one employee was just trying to help and I'm angry or whatever. You're, you're trying to find that thoughts that's creating the defensive situation. And you're saying, actually the thought is, I mean, excuse me, the fact of the situation is that my employee said these words. And then my other employee said these words back. And that's pretty much all you can do for the cold, hard fact. Okay. So we're separating them out in order to give our, our brain an opportunity to give ourselves a new way to look at this. And that's step number six. We're going to choose a new way to look at our situation that creates a feeling that we want. Now the feeling has to be appropriate. Like we don't want to feel giddy at a funeral and we don't want to feel like, oh, yay, my employees are fighting with each other. This is amazing. And it has to be a believable thought. So you can't think to yourself, I'm a unicorn because that's not true. But my, my client decided that she would rather feel curious instead of defensive because she knew that if she was curious, it would change how she was leading. So she decided to think to herself, I wonder what's going on for my employees today. You know, such and such employee, what's going on for you today? Why don't you tell me what's happening for you? And also, I wonder how I can improve my systems and my communication so that our practice is going where I want it to go. So maybe I would like to find out where things fell apart here so that maybe I can use some systems and some support in order to avoid this problem in the future. So as we're staying in curiosity, then we're asking instead of trying to get up and be defensive, right? And then what the, the client did is she sat with her employees. She sat them down to listen with curiosity instead of defensiveness or judgment. All right, let me give you one more example. That's all the steps, okay? But I'm going to walk you through it one more time. And um, just with a new example, another thing that happens in dental practices. And this one is mine. So this is my own story um, from a recently uh, un recent unpleasant situation that I ran into. I had a new patient who most people would categorize as being sort of an important person. Um, and this person came in really busy, um, doubting things that I said, disregarding many of my, um, suggestions. And I recognized after he left that I was feeling belittled and this made me like my actions then were in my mind. I rehearsed our conversation over and over again in my head, just thinking of all the stupid things that I said. And then also I found myself seeking going to my employees for external validation instead of being in the place where I'm confident and happy that at least I said what I recommended. And I didn't like this feeling of belittled. It felt small and um, unpleasant. Um, so I decided to coach myself through it because I didn't like how I was feeling. I didn't like how I was acting. So number one is that I acknowledged, I named the feeling of belittlement and I leaned into that emotion. So, oh my goodness, here I am. This mean, this feels 
belittlement. I feel small. I feel unappreciated. I feel like I don't want to give suggestions and maybe like embarrassed that I would think that I had something to offer this patient. And I recognized to myself that this emotion came from deep within my biology and that it was there for the moment, whether I wanted to feel it or not, the belittlement was already there. I can't just wipe it off the wipe it out of my body. I reminded myself that emotions are a part of my existence as a human and that then my emotions come from how my brain is interpreting the world around me, which is automatic but also voluntary, meaning it might pop up and I might think to myself something that creates that belittlement feeling, but I can, if I can find it, I can change it. And so the first thing that I did was I thanked my brain for watching out for me. For some reason, my brain thought it would be really useful for me to be embarrassed about the situation, probably resulting from our strong desire to be a part of a pack where we're accepted and respected. Um, and how important that was for survival half a million years ago. And then I found the thought that was creating the emotion. And this is the thought that I found inside my brain. I'm not important to him. He doesn't trust me and his opinion must matter because he is so important. Okay. So I just kind of looked at that, you know, the implication that his opinion was more important than my opinion of myself. And I thought to myself, is that a fact? Is that something that everybody in the world would agree with? Or would there be at least one person who would disagree, meaning that it's a thought instead of a fact? And once I recognized that it wasn't a fact, it opened up my ability to be free to change if that's what I chose. And I chose to feel empowered and I used part of my office vision statement as a thought to creating the feeling of empowerment inside of me. And so part of my office vision is that I treat patients who want the best care and show their appreciation by saying, thank you for paying for the services and also coming to their appointment. I really, I literally wrote that down and um, that's actually in an episode a few months back, if you want to listen to it. Um, And I was like, oh yeah, So this is fine. This might be an important person. I still concede that he is important, but he might not fit my vision and that's okay. I can't be everybody's dentist and I want to be a dentist for people who respect my opinion and who show me the the respect by saying thank you, coming to their appointments and paying me. And then I felt better. It was kind of interesting. Um, that that's, the system is very consistent and that it works so well. And I invite you to try this on yourselves. What's an emotion that you have felt this month in your practice that you would like to feel less of? That's not really helping you be a good leader. And what's the name of that emotion and how does it feel? That's a good place to start. That's basically the system in a nutshell. And if you keep listening to this podcast, We'll find more examples of this process that relates as it relates to dental practice ownership. And so be sure that you subscribe to the podcast and watch out for that information for our launch in January so that you can be creating what you want in your practice. All right, ladies, thank you so much for sticking with me through that. Everyone have a wonderful fall. Reach out to me if you need anything. See you on the other side. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I would love to meet you. To join our movement, find the Facebook group called Love Your Practice and request to join. If you can't find it, just send me a message and I'll add you. You'll find me there helping all of my ladies to fall in love with their businesses and have a better life.